Let me extend my welcome to you again today. I hope you're enjoying being with us. You're really welcome if you're visiting today. My name's Matt. My privilege to speak to you this morning. And we're continuing in our series on the Gospel of Luke. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, exploring who Jesus is. There can't be much more that's more important than that, right? Exploring who Jesus is. Getting to know him. Maybe you're not a believer this morning, or maybe you're just wondering, oh, I hope this morning you can see Jesus. And you know, today may be the day you want to give your life to Jesus. I did that back in 1991, a long time ago now. And I've never regretted it. There's been challenges along the way, of course, but knowing Jesus in your life is the most important decision you'll ever make to let God come into your life. And maybe you'll do that today as we look at who Jesus is this morning. The title of my message is Call Him Jesus, Saviour, God and King. Call Him Jesus, Saviour, God and King. This is who Jesus is. We're looking at Jesus this morning from Luke chapter 1. Last week we looked at the, the introduction, Nev preached and he, he, he challenged us, didn't he, about our expectation. What's your expectation as we begin this series? As we look at these chapters in the Gospel of Luke, I want to raise your expectation that this is the Word of God and there is power in God's Word. And as we look at it together, we are transformed, we're encouraged, we are fed. Do you need encouragement in your life? You need strengthening, right? There's, you know, we live in a, a, a wonderful country, but it's, there's many challenges to our faith every day. Challenges come our way, and knowing who Jesus is and looking at his word together will strengthen us together. So please do look, use the uh, daily devotionals if you can. They're on the website. Just go there, look at them. I record a little video each day now. You'll love that, I'm sure. Not, but anyway, it's there. Tell me, tell me what you think. You can feed back to me. Please be kind, but be honest with kindness. You can balance that out. Okay, today's text. We're looking at uh, Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 5 to 38. I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's quite a lot there. I have a Bible in front of you if you can. There are some on the side. Luke 1. Verses 5 to 38. Over the next couple of weeks, we're looking at the birth of Jesus. And it's not Christmas. Isn't that good? You know, it's good to look at the... the, the Luke says, says so much about the birth of Jesus. And much of the, 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 the uh, nativity story that we love is contained within Luke. And Phil's going to be preaching in a couple of weeks. And you're looking forward to this, aren't you? Talking about Christmas. You're going to wear a special hat or anything? Why not? Why not? Imagine a visitor turning up. We're singing carols. That would be really interesting, wouldn't it? But anyway, we're, going to be, we're looking at the birth of Jesus over the next few weeks. And we're going to be looking at the visit of the angel Gabriel. Angels, very interesting subject, isn't it? The visit of the angel Gabriel. He comes to um, Zechariah in the temple, we're going to look at in a minute, and promises the birth of John the Baptist. And he comes to Mary and promises the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. 
Both of these, these encounters with the angel Gabriel follow a very similar pattern. And they are, the angel visits and they're scared to death, as you might be. This powerful, spiritual being visits Zechariah and Mary. He promises a miraculous birth to both of them. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? A miraculous birth. I don't know how you'd feel about that. But he promises a miraculous birth. There is fear and there is questioning, as you'd expect. And then the angel carries on and gives a promise about the child. And then there is a response of worship. And this is the journey that we all need to go on. We go on a journey where God speaks to us, maybe not through an angel, maybe, maybe simply through me this morning. Sorry, I'm not an angel, you know. And God speaks to us, and we have questions, we have doubts, we have fears. How can this be? And we go on this journey like Zechariah, Mary, and Elizabeth that goes from hearing this promise about Jesus, about this birth, and going to worship. And you've got to make that journey, firstly, for the first time in your life. Make that journey to faith. But you've got to make that journey every single day. Every time you get up in the morning and you face work, you face those troubles, you face this maybe boring life. I don't know where your, what your life is like, just re repetitive maybe. Or maybe it's challenging. Maybe it's fearful. You've got to make that journey from, oh, Lord, I've got questions. I've got concerns. He encourages you if you come to him, and he moves us to a place of faith. And he wants to do that every single day and about everything in our lives. So John's, let's look at John's miraculous birth and ministry first. So the visit of the angel Gabriel to uh, Zechariah, verses 1 to 11. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old add that in there. They're both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. Zechariah and Elizabeth are unlikely candidates, aren't they, for the birth of John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus. And you will see in both these accounts of Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are both unlikely people to be involved in the story of the coming of the Son of God. And I throw that in there to you. It's 
God has included you in his story. He's included you to be children adopted into the family of God. He's included you, if you're a Christian, to be born again. He's included you in his mission to take the story of Jesus to others. Who would have thought? People like me, people like you, weak people, people who look at ourselves and think, we can't do this. Look at this world. Can we take the message of Jesus? Can we do this? God includes these stories to encourage you and me that he uses ordinary people and that his work is miraculous and he can do miracles of salvation and other things through ordinary, weak people. I want you to notice that they were righteous, but they weren't free from trouble. So important that we don't equate becoming a Christian with having all our dreams come true. And there's no trouble, no concerns, or everything is good, everything is perfect now because we are children of God. You know, they had been praying, obviously, for a long time, and they hadn't had a child. And sometimes that kind of grief and pain visits even the most conscientious and righteous people. And if you're going through grief and trial and long-suffering and having to be patient, you are like many people in the Bible. God knows. It's not because he doesn't love you or hates you or anything. Just in the mystery of his will, sometimes these things are the case. And he foretells the child. He foretells a miraculous birth to Zechariah. Verses 12 to 13, we carry on with our reading. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. A prayer that they have obviously been had to persevere with. It says here, your prayer has been heard. And judging by the context and looking at it, it looks like they've probably given up praying this prayer. And that's okay. God remembers our prayers. Sometimes we feel we've got to get it all perfect. You know, if I pray perfectly, if I pray just right, if I get it all right perfectly, then things will come. No, God remembers our prayers. And in, in due time, he answers prayer. It looks like they've given up on it, though, doesn't it, by looking at this. And, but the angel foretells the future ministry of John the Baptist, verses 14 to 17. He will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's a lot in there, but just to just briefly touch as we go along, this text speaks of the personhood of the unborn. Even before birth, John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit. God sees John the Baptist. 
He has a destiny for John the Baptist. He speaks of John the Baptist, not as some, some other than human. He is a person, a human being, as yet in the womb. He will prepare the people for Jesus. That's his ministry. He's coming like Elijah, who was a prophet, and a prophet turns our eyes to God, not to themselves. Likewise, this prophetic figure, John the Baptist, was going before Christ to prepare Israel, to prepare the people to receive Jesus Christ. And initially, as I said, his initial response is doubt and questioning, as you might when you're old and you're promised and you've been praying for years and you've been waiting for something and God promises it's going to be fulfilled. You might have questions about it. Zechariah, it says in verse 18, ask the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. My wife is well on in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Zechariah, I think we can all understand that he had questions. I'm sure you have questions, right? God makes many promises in his word, but do you have questions? We all have questions, don't we? We can, we can understand that. We can understand Zechariah's questions. I am old, yet you're making this miraculous promise to me. What he says is, I am. And he looks at himself and says, I am this. Therefore, maybe this can't come true. And then, and then Gabriel says, I am angel. Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've come on from God. And we've got to... This is part of growing as a Christian, isn't it? It's learning to pay less attention to who I am and more attention to who he is. And the more we can do that, the more we will believe and trust. And can I say a very simple thing? If you get this out of today, this might, I would have been successful. You may look at yourself and say, I am a miserable mess and my thinking is vile, I, I, I have thinking which is dishonorable, I, I have all sorts of sinful inclinations and desires and I want things I know against God's will, wretched man, woman, that I am. And the God's word would say to you, yes, you are, but he is the saviour. He has taken your sin away. He has died for you. He's removed your sin. Let's believe the promises of God over who you see yourself to be, particularly around the idea of forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. I hope you are living in that. 
And then there's this response of worship from Elizabeth. When his time of service, verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth came pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor, taken away my disgrace among the people. If you're a believer this morning, he has shown you favor. He's taken away our disgrace. He's taken away our sin. Everything that stood against us before God has been removed because Jesus is the Savior and went to the cross for you. He's taken it away. And worship needs to be our response to who God is and what he's done for us. No matter how we feel. We may feel old. We may feel useless. We may feel like Zechariah. We may have questions. Stop looking at yourself. I am. Look at who he is. He's the savior. He is good. He's strong. He's able. Response of worship. And then we have a very similar story with the birth or announcement of the birth of Jesus. The visit of the angel Gabriel again in verses 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Again, a completely unlikely candidate for the birth of the Son of God. Most unlikely person you'd have expected to have give birth to a child. A virgin of poor background. She is the one chosen to give birth to Christ. Friends, you have been included in this story. Highly favored. Highly favored. Every one of you. No matter what you've done in the past, Jesus has come. He's taken your sin away. You are highly favored. Mary is highly favored, unlikely. She's been chosen to give birth to Christ. Again, the, the angel promises a miraculous birth, 29 to 31. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. Of course, she's troubled. <laughs> of course, she's going to be troubled. She is a virgin in a society that looked very badly on Pregnancies outside of marriage. She, of course, is going to be troubled by this. But the angel foretells the future identity of Jesus. Again, it's following the same pattern, isn't it, as the last account. Verses 32, he will be great, will be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign 
for Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What a promise for this young woman in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, can you, this, these great promises are difficult to swallow. Your son will be saviour, God, and king. I know mothers tend to look favourably upon their own children. But this is quite something, isn't it? You, my son is, is saviour, God, and king. What's your son? Oh, he's in the football team, is he? Okay. Questioning. Again, she questions as a response. But her questioning, unlike Zechariah, because Zechariah was disciplined by God, because he didn't believe. His questioning came from unbelief. Mary's questioning comes from belief. Wow, this is going to happen, but how can this be? It goes on, verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month. For no word of the Lord will ever fail. Isn't that a great promise? No word of the Lord will ever fail. How can this be? No word of the Lord can ever fail. It's, it's that simple. How can anything be? No word of the Lord will ever fail. No matter how difficult it seems. No matter how improbable it seems. We may have to been praying those things for a long time. No word of the Lord will ever fail. And she has a response like Elizabeth of worship. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Next week we'll look at the, her, her song in greater detail. But she has this response of worship. Like Elizabeth, Mary makes the journey from the word of God, of promise, incredible word, questioning to faith and worship. You've got to make that, that journey yourself first to become a Christian, but then all the time, all the time, all the time, you're making that journey all the time. As God promises things in your life, how, how can this be? Make the journey to faith. God wants us to believe and receive. Let's just look at this brief summary. God wants us to believe and receive Jesus as Savior, God, and King. This is the point that is being made today from this story. God, why is this story being told? God wants you, you and me. Luke is writing this, remember, to Theophilus, this Roman dignitary, so that he may be sure of the things that he's come to believe, but also so that we all throughout the world can know the story of Jesus, and be certain of the things that have been told. And the, one of the most important things we need to understand is who Jesus is. I love what Jason, as we were praying this morning, Jason was praying in our time before worship about how the story is not about us, about life is not all revolving around us, you know? It's not like we're at the center of the universe. Just like the earth is not the center of the universe. 
The sun is at the center of our solar system, which is prophetic, isn't it? It speaks of how Jesus is to be at the center of our solar system. And how we find peace and joy is not so much keep examining ourselves, examining ourselves, examining ourselves, examining ourselves all the time. But by looking out, seeing Christ, seeing who God is, and a life of service as well. Looking out of service, but looking out to the Son of God and seeing who he is. Not I am, but who he is. And this is the thing God wants us to believe and receive that Jesus is Saviour, God, and King. Say, so Saviour, God, and King. Those three words, Saviour, he's my Saviour, he's my God, he's my King. Let's just look at a few words. Let me remind you of these words. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne, his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never, uh, never end. So firstly, just touch on this idea, the, the virgin birth. Important subject. Important, really important truth for us all to believe. Mary was a virgin. She was not, she didn't have intimate relationships with Joseph until after Jesus was born. You will conceive and give birth to a son. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy One born in you will be called the Son of God. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. This is a, a central truth for us as a church and for all evangelical churches. Christians believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. It's so important to believe and understand this for all sorts of reasons. What we call the incarnation in flesh. Incarnation flesh. In flesh. God, the eternal God, the Son, took on flesh. He came into the world. Jesus was born of the virgin. He was both, therefore, fully man, being born of Mary, but also fully God, being born of the Holy Spirit. It's difficult to explain these things, but this is what this is teaching. It's, it, Jesus is, it's the Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and so this, this child is going to be God and man in one person. The hypostatic union, as it's often called. This idea of God, Jesus, fully God and fully man in one person. And ultimately, as a man, he can die for mankind, for all of us. He can die for human beings because he is a man dying for mankind on the cross. That's why it's so important that we believe he is a man, because he died. He is the, the sin offering of mankind. And that's what he is for us. He died for you. He died for you as a man on the cross. He says you are to call him Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves. God saves. So Jesus, receive Jesus as God. He's God. Yahweh saves, or rather saviour. God saves. In just a bit later in Luke, in verse 47, Mary will say, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Do you call, do you understand Jesus is your Savior? 
He's your savior, died for you. You could not save yourself. Our sins separated us from God. We haven't got the righteousness. We haven't got the goodness. We could not save ourselves. We could not climb to heaven. Jesus died in our place. Call him Jesus, which means savior. He's not just a good example to us of how to live. He is the one who died for us. He is also not only savior, he is God. He will be called son of the most high. Son of the most high, son of God. He is God. He is one with the Father and the Spirit. What we call the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one with the Father and the Spirit, yet he is a separate person. He is the Son of God. And we read these wonderful words in John 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing has been made. So He's the Creator. And it goes on in verse uh, 14. The Word became flesh. So we said the incarnation. The Word, Jesus, became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, Savior, God, Son of God, God the Son. That's who Jesus is. He's not a created being. He's the eternal God. And these are, again, central truths to the Christian faith. Have been for 2,000 years-ish. Jesus is God. So Jesus is Savior, Jesus is God, and finally Jesus is King. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus reigns right now. He is reigning over all things. He is coming again. And when he comes again, he will bring all things under his rule. But we've got to understand right now he's reigning. That's why we pray to him, because he reigns. That's why we trust him, because he reigns. In Zechariah and Elizabeth's waiting, he was reigning. In Mary's consternation, he was reigning. In your life, he is reigning. He is king. He's on the throne it says he is the Holy One. I'm saying a lot this morning. I appreciate that. There's a lot of good stuff in here. The, the angel answered, he is the Holy One. The Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. He is holy, 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 worthy of worship. So in response, God wants you to believe and to receive Jesus as Savior, God, and King. No matter what, my Savior, he's my God, my King. God wants you to go on that journey from, faith, from consternation and 
doubts and, belief, uh, and questions to a place of worship. A place where you say, yes, I believe you, Jesus. You're my saviour. Yes, I believe you, Jesus. You're God. Yes, I believe you, Jesus. You are my king. As we were praying this morning before the service, as I mentioned in the introduction to the service today, somebody shared about, us, about doing a run. You know, life is like a run. It can be tiring, can't it? Sometimes you feel like giving up. Do you ever feel like giving up? Life is hard, you know? And you go through seasons where you just feel, I, just don't, I, just, I don't know if I can keep on believing. I don't know if I can keep on serving you, Lord. I don't know if I can keep on being faithful to you. I mean, what, there's so many different areas we could pick on. It's just, Lord, I just feel so weak. I feel like giving up. I am, I am so frail and weak and lacking motivation and love for you, Lord. I, how can you use someone like me? I'm just useless. And we feel like giving up on this race, on this run. And we were reminded in the prayer meeting, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What's the key to you getting up again, running the race again, serving Jesus again, having joy again? Not looking at yourself, looking out, Seeing Jesus, Saviour, God, King, worshipping Him. We're going to do that now. The band's going to come up. We're going to worship Jesus, Saviour, God, King. Have you received Jesus in your life as your Saviour? I am, yes, sinner. He is Yahweh who saves. You will call him Jesus. Name him Jesus. Have you named him? Jesus, my Savior. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrow, heals his wounds, and drives away your fear. How sweet name Jesus sounds. Be sweet to you. Name him Jesus, my Savior, my God, my King, the compassionate one who leaves heaven compassionate one who comes someone like Mary someone like Elizabeth and someone like me the unlikely ones you found great favor with God let's stand together let's worship